From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. Congress has officially returned to Washington, D.C. for what could be a two- or three-week session before they head out of town again for the August recess. Monday got started pretty quickly with Republicans meeting at the White House with President Donald Trump and then huddling amongst themselves in smaller groups on Capitol Hill to negotiate the next COVID-19 aid package. David, what do we know so far? Yeah, this is going to be a big day. Senate Republicans are going to be unveiling their plan for the next round of coronavirus relief. They're going to huddle today with uh, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And there's still a lot of dissension, Jan, over what this thing should contain. And we're going to, it's not clear yet that they've all coalesced around one solid plan that they can take to the Democrats, but they're certainly going to try to do that today. Um, a, big, a big feature that's, that's dividing Republicans right now is what President Trump wants, which is this payroll tax deferral. He has been adamant from the get-go that this package should have some kind of payroll tax relief in it. A lot of Republicans still don't like that idea and told us yesterday that they have qualms about it. Remember, if you, if you defer payroll taxes, then you're hurting the Social Security and Medicare revenues. Uh, and they, they just don't like handling pandemic relief in that way. And they also say, look, we can get aid to people quicker through a tax rebate check than you can by deferring payroll taxes in weekly paychecks ad infinitum. Um, so that's a real sticking point. And we'll, it'll be interesting to see today how they resolve that, how strongly they push for some kind of payroll tax deferral. Yeah, yesterday it was pretty interesting to see the back and forth on this. There was that White House Oval Office meeting with congressional Republican leaders, President Trump, Vice President Mike Pence, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin. And at that meeting, Trump sort of said that there's not a lot of disagreement about this payroll tax. What we now know is a deferral, not a cut. Um, but then when Senate Republicans started sort of wandering the halls of the Capitol and reporters were able to speak with them, we heard from a lot of high-ranking Republicans, Senator John Thune, the whip, Senator John Cornyn, former whip, still a very important voice in the Senate Republican Party, and Senator Chuck Grassley, all of whom were still very skeptical about this idea being included in Republicans' proposal. Um, and Senator Thune sort of said to reporters that he thinks it might be included in that first Republican proposal, but then he sort of laughed a little bit, kind of indicating that he doesn't think Republican leadership, in the Senate at least, is really going to push hard to include this in the final package that they're going to be negotiating with Democrats. Yeah, so that'll be an interesting debate to watch because it's not clear to me how that gets resolved. And I don't know that, I don't know when you take it to Democrats, where the, that's certainly not on the top of their priority list either. So I don't know where that's going. Um, but at least the, this opening bid is going to have some sort of payroll tax relief in it, I think, in, in deference to Trump's wish. And then we'll see what happens. Um, and then there's, of course, the question of another round of these tax rebate checks. Um, remember the, the round they did in March had, had, a, had rebate checks of up to $1,200 per adult. 
it does seem clear that they want another round of those now, but there's going to be a big fight over over how many people should be eligible for this thing. They, they, McConnell has said they want to cut it down a little, tailor it to, to lower income folks, not as many people who as got it last time. Yeah, last time the cap or where the phase out began for individuals was around $75,000 in income. And we know from uh, press appearances and events at hospitals that Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell did during the two-week break, that he thinks that phase-out should begin at about $40,000 this time. Obviously, Democrats have not yet um, given us strong signals on that, but it's safe to say that Democrats are going to try to raise that income cap at least a little bit on those direct payments. So that's another big sticking point, uh, how to structure these rebate checks and for whom how broadly to to apply them. And then, of course, you've got this big fight over unemployment benefits. I mean, in March, they provided an expanded federal benefit of $600 a week on top of your state benefits. And there's now pretty broad consensus, I think, that some kind of unemployment benefit has to be extended. But there's a big fight over how to do that and how big it should be. McConnell's been pretty clear that he doesn't want another to keep the $600 a week benefit going. A lot of Republicans were grumbling about that even when they first passed it in March, saying that it was actually too generous because it was too many workers could get more in benefits than they would earn on the job, and it was providing a disincentive to go back to work. Democrats dispute that. They say most people still want to work, and they badly needed that money. But in any case, there's a fight over how big this, this benefit should be, and is there a way they could structure it so that, so that it doesn't provide any disincentive uh, to work that make, may make it harder for employers to, to call back their people without losing them? And Mnuchin has said he was working on some, what he called a technical fix, and there's also been talk of some kind of return-to-work bonus so we don't know yet. Um, we may know more today, but we don't know yet as we speak uh, exactly how they intend to structure this unemployment benefit and how generous it's going to be. Yeah. And that unemployment insurance additional payment that expires next Friday on July 31st, that is really going to be driving the timeline behind these negotiations between Democrats, Republicans, and the Trump administration. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin said yesterday that he hopes to have a bill enacted before the end of July. That really doesn't give a whole lot of time for these negotiations, especially considering that the first face-to-face sit-down meeting between Trump administration officials, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer is going to be taking place this afternoon. You typically need a few of those meetings across several days to try to reach consensus, and you also are likely going to need to bring in congressional Republican leaders as well. And so that is going to be something that we vote everyone is paying very close attention to um, because that could you know, lead to a real not only impact the economy, but impact to people's lives as we continue to see a lot of coronavirus cases throughout select states, California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida, and a lot of businesses in those states, as well as other areas of the country that are seeing resurgences in COVID-19 cases, 
there's going to be a lot of focus on how to help people who just cannot go back to work because their places of work are closed down. Yeah. And of course, there's another big fight on this thing, which is aid to state and local governments. I mean, Democrats have been adamant for that. That's one of their biggest priorities in their own package. They pushed, they wanted as much as a trillion dollars just for aid to state and local governments whereas Republicans are trying to keep the whole package to about a trillion dollars. So that's a big disconnect. And, you know, Democrats are saying, look, we're going to have thousands and thousands of furloughed state and local workers because state and local budgets are being slashed because of the economic shutdown and they need help. And Republicans are very reticent to help a lot of the states and they say, look, we don't want to bail out states that have been poorly managed even before this pandemic hit. So that's a real divide uh, that's going to be cause a real problem. The only common ground there is on school funding. And school funding makes up huge chunks of state and local budgets. So there is that. Uh, and, and Mark Meadows, the White House Chief of Staff, over the weekend said they were working on a plan for over $70 billion uh, for school safety money. Um, so that would be welcomed by Democrats, I'm sure. But that doesn't solve the whole issue. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point that Republicans have been making during the past week or so. Senator Roy Blunt, the chairman of the Senate Labor HHS and Education Appropriations Subcommittee, um, who has been working very closely with staff and leadership during the last couple of weeks to draft um, a big portion of this next aid package, he has been saying that, well, Republicans actually sort of do support additional funding to state and local governments. They're just doing it in a more targeted way than Democrats want. And so I think that's going to be a really interesting messaging point um, as this Republican proposal comes out and as bipartisan talks sort of really get into the details is that Republicans are saying, we don't think we just need to apply blanket aid to state governments. Um, and there are some sort of valid criticisms coming from Republican lawmakers about how that $150 billion in aid to state and local governments has not necessarily made its way down to local governments. Um, and so that is going to be something that I think is going to be really interesting to watch in these negotiations, especially as um, we see school districts throughout the country, even colleges and universities, really struggling to figure out how to bring kids safely back into the education system this fall, whether or not that be remote learning or in-person learning or some type of hybrid schedule. There's a lot of concerns about safety for students and teachers and faculty. And so I think, you know, the eyes of literally every parent in the country are going to be on Congress for this package. And in addition to, you know, education funding for K through 12, there's a lot of conversations about how to help parents who have children who aren't yet of kindergarten age and how to, you know, sort of address the, you know, daycare throughout the country, you know, the capacity for these places uh, could be cut in half when you apply social distancing. And so that leaves a lot of parents really struggling. You know, some people are able to work remotely um, and can handle that really challenging situation of balancing work from home and, you know, watching a toddler. Uh, but not everyone can do that. And so that's another huge thing that's really critical to get the economy regoing um, is making sure that childcare is taken care of in a safe manner. And that's a really challenging issue for Congress to solve. 
Right, because as as we are talking now, I think Senate Democrats are about to hold a news conference pushing for $430 billion just for childcare and education. So they're laying down another marker this morning of some big money they want to see in this package that I would think Republicans are going to have trouble trying to squeeze in as they keep trying to keep costs down. So that's another tension point. I think there will be money for virus testing. There was some talk over the weekend of the White House trying to reject more money for testing, um, but lawmakers, I think, have shot that down. We, we talked to Roy Blunt, who said something to the effect that you know, trying to cut money for testing is just wrong. Oh, yeah, I absolutely expect this package to include additional funding for testing and tracing, especially in the education system. And there likely will be uh, some kind of tax credits in this mix, too, particularly for, um, for personal protective equipment, for making work environments safer. We could see some refundable payroll tax credits along those lines. Some House Republicans already have legislation to that effect, and they could borrow the, that legislation and stick it in this package if they wanted to. Um, those would be smaller dollar items, I would think, and, and easier to do. So that could be part of this mix as well. But clearly the big fights, unemployment benefits, state and local aid, and this payroll tax relief uh, are, I think, probably the three top hurdles here to a deal. Would you say, Jen? Yeah, I think there's you know a handful of really challenging issues that Republicans and Democrats are going to have to come together on in a pretty short timeline for what Congress is used to negotiating. Congress is you know typically able to do things at a sort of slower pace. You know, the House does their bill, the Senate does their bill in an ideal situation, and then they conference the legislation. You know, they essentially just have about. 10 days until July 31st to get agreement on this package. I really think that with the COVID aid bills, we've gotten a little bit numb to how much money this is. You know, the starting point is $1 trillion. That is a significant amount of money. Um, And so even when you can get agreement pretty quickly on the bigger point issues, then you have to go into drafting that legislation um, and really writing everything in sort of legalese. And you can hit a decent amount of stumbling blocks when you go from, you know, we have agreement in principle to drafting legislative text. And that's something we saw a little bit of in March. And so I think even once you get high level agreement between everyone, you still need a few days to write it out and read it out and make sure that the bill is actually written in the correct way. So there's a lot of challenges to getting this done in the next you know, week and a half or so. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.